God is working in your life. And the more you draw to him, God speaks. God helps us to get into grace, right? Because uh, what he says in that dream is, hey, God's going to bring this thing to pass. But it's always good to remember that he's working in us. And so um, the bottom of the Bible is God is working in us. God is hiding in us. The thing that is working in us is the most important thing.
call themselves evangelicals in the U.S. And they ask all kinds of questions about God, Jesus, Christianity, the church, and should they recognize the culture and the ethnicity and what have you. What, what is the state of the church? What's the state of theology in the United States of America? Well, they just released it in September of 2022, so just a few weeks ago. Roughly this way, do you agree with this statement that God accepts worship in whatever form it comes to, whether it's offered to the Unitarian God himself, the Bible, or any other God? And really, he honors the faith of people, not really concerned about the object of that faith. No surprise, we're going to say 66% U.S. evangelicals agree with that statement. But not necessarily the same as God. Just because they believe they can come to it. Forty-three percent of U.S. evangelicals agree with that statement. Francis Schaeffer, we talked about this in Clinical, Francis Schaeffer said many years ago, God made us in His image. We have been seeking approval from Him. And that idea is that we take a God and we start to the God that we want, that if we set every priority in our life, like work and entertainment and pleasure and family and everything else, let's craft a God that we make sure doesn't disrupt any of these priorities. Make sure he doesn't step on our toes. Make sure that he doesn't put us in uncomfortable situations with, with people around us and the culture that we live in. As long as God puts into that box, then yes, I love that God number one. And we create this God in our own image who is defined by every term except his own name. And so really we have this sort of deep God who just is longing to be your friend and and longing for you to give a little attention and being so happy that you have some spiritual or mental faith in the correct object of that. So the point of our time together is look to have peace with God is to return to a more robust true understanding of who our God is. And so we look at a few things. First, the knowability of God, that yes, in one sense he is incomprehensible, but at the same time he has made himself known. He is knowable. In fact, we won't even come to guess what all there is revealed about God. We look at his authority, a new word I think for many but also simply his self-existence, that God is being himself. He's not becoming. There wasn't a time when he wasn't. He has always been. He is the I Am. When we look around now and everything that is right now, you, me, all of creation, the only reason that we are right now is because God is the I Am, because God is. He was, he is, and he is to come. When we look at the simplicity of God, Everywhere. So unlike you and me who set aside our love for 
think when you think of uh, of the immensity of the galaxy, it points us to the majesty, the greatness of our God. It, it, it makes helps us to see and to know who our God is by creation. Secondly, in general revelation, is the the moral fabric that He imprints upon everyone made in His image.
where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. From there we arrive to our doctrine of omnipresence that God is with us always in His fullness. And we need to use this testimony in the conversation with someone who we really care about who is sitting there with us and is suffering from our infection of infection of infection. I was telling Adam yesterday that there's a Part of that worship, part of that world, they're not in a man and 
getting this weird mix of culture, this weird mix of, of worshiping God and yet being somewhat polytheistic and very pragmatic in your worship and it's turning it all upside down. He's done return and the temple is rebuilt, but now they won't let these Samaritans into the temple of, of God in Jerusalem because of, of all of the intermarrying and all of the, the weird things that they have laid hold of in Joshua's series of culture. So this divides and grows and grows and grows, and eventually these Samaritans build their own temple of worship. Here it is. And it becomes a battle. Where is the real place to worship? Is it Jerusalem? Is it Mount Gerizim? Is it where the Samaritans go? Or is it where the Jews go? They're fighting over it, even though neither are really that faithful to their worship of God. They're faithful in the way they're living, but they're still fighting where the right place is. And so that is the question that this woman asks. Where then should we worship? And we really have one of the most significant conversations we have about worship and stories that we have with the Jewish people. And the Samaritan woman basically says, God is spirit. God is spirit. Because he is spirit, he is not bound to a location. He's, he's not bound up and he only exists in Jerusalem or that he only exists in Mount Gerizim. That he is spirit. He is immaterial. He is invisible. He is infinite. He fills all in all. It's less about the location. But God is spirit. The way that we worship him then is in spirit and in truth. That is not in a fleshly and material way, but we worship him in a spiritual way. Deuteronomy 4, verse 31 and 
you. No man's going to easily hold you in his hand, carry you in his bosom, hide you under his wings.